Welcome to the Quick Stop F1 podcast. My name is Nyasha and you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Joining me as ever is my co-host and co-founder, blessing us with her grace and presence <laughs> today. Gosh, do we feel lucky. Welcome to the show, Tandy Samantha. How are you doing? Nice to meet you. Pardon? What did you say? Yeah. Nice of me to stop by. All right, I said it's cool, really yeah. nice of you to drop by. Yeah. You know, I was in the neighborhood, so I'd visit HQ, see what's going on, and say hi to my favorite people. Yeah, no. I quick stop live and quick stop yeah, F1, no, HQ, it. and the little people yeah. we have in the back that no, we don't tell people about, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the little people. <laughs> no, I mean like Oompa Lumpers. The Oompa Lumpers. Oh. Duh. You okay, started. and look, anyway. like, duh. and look, and look, look, Chris of F1 are equal opportunity employers, okay, so when we say Oompa we mean it as in, you know, they're as short in... like me, as opposed to the Roald Dahl version, yeah, because yeah. that was, that was a bit mad, I'm not going to lie. Not gonna lie, it's a bit mad. But look, it's not about it's not about me. It's not about Tandy. It's definitely not about Umpalumpus. It's about I love our Charlie guest. And the I met this Factory. guy. <laughs> it's look, it is a great film. Um, I met this guy last year, uh, and I was absolutely blown away by his F1 knowledge, and he's taken that. Taking his career, I've seen him at different races now, reporting on shit. And I said, look, there's some big news that's happened this week. We need a big reporter. So on the show today, we have Total Motorsports reporter Rover in the paddock. It's none other than Mr. Ed Spencer. How you doing, Ed? I'm good, thank you. Nice to be here. Pleasure to be on. Thank you very much. No, look, pleasure's all ours. Um, So I guess... Like, um, for you, when I, when we spoke, like, last year, I think maybe you were going to, like, I mean, had you gone to a couple of races as a journalist? But it feels to, like I it's had... kind of taken off a bit more since since then. Yeah, so last time you met me, Max Verstappen was a one-time world champion. I hadn't been to a Grand Prix. Nikita yeah. Mazepin was still driving for Haas. And Pierre Gasly <laughs> was at Alpha Daly. So time has flown since then. Whizzed <laughs> <laughs> by. Whizzed yes. by. Yeah, that's what's bad. That's incredible, man. Yeah, that was... um, so, um, so in your in your kind of estimations, as I guess you know, as someone who has to report on everything that goes on in F one, um, how are you finding this season? I guess you know, uh, as someone who's kind of like in the thick of it, uh, and obviously compared to obviously the season that we're talking about was the the season in 2021 uh, and obviously we had a little bit of a, a you know a different type of season last season with ferrari's challenge but obviously then red bull kind of pulling away uh due to their own brilliance and and obviously ferrari's maybe you know their own mistakes and then this season which has been an absolute cakewalk and show of domination from red bull so i guess from your point of view how have you how have you found the season i guess as as someone who works there but also as a fan um, not the most spectacular in the world, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, I think it was quite, ine- quite inevitable from Bahrain testing that Red Bull were just going to destroy everyone. And they've pretty much done that apart from Singapore. So it's been a little bit of a challenge. Obviously, there was that feeling that 
oh, Red Bull could win every race. So you had that angle. You were trying to go through the old, the old the old books and look through, you know, McLaren eighty eight and all that. And then there was the whole driver market intrigue. Although that's kind of gone a bit. Uh, but then you have like the little stuff. You have like Albon punching above his weight. You have the Alpine drama. You have Oscar Piastri proving all his critics wrong by being an absolute worldy of a signing. And then you've got the Alpha Tauri saga, which, you know, you could say it's been at times a little bit of a revolving door. So you can find the little stories, but mm. it's not going to be one I look back on in 20 years and think, yeah, classic, classic. I'm going to sit there with a bucket of popcorn at 2 a.m. on YouTube showing my children you know this is where this is where dad got this is where dad got packed by netflix and oh this is him looking at brad pitt looking him rather confused like why are you doing in a race suit brad that's the other thing as well the whole f1 film stuff which was a bit of a, a bit odd to see cameras sticking at my face <laughs> are you are you going to be in the film then like have they have they given you like you know the contracts and they you know they said to you this is your role you're going to be, you know, Brad Pitt's admiring the pit lane, I guess. Um, I don't know if they'll even remotely give me even a look. I had, <laughs> I, I was wearing the full Canadian tuxedo and they didn't even look at me. So I will probably be extra picking oh, wow. up a, extra picking up a coffee or extra looking around wondering what on earth that is or looking at their <laughs> car and thinking this isn't even going to qualify for an F2 race, let alone an F1 race. Uh, so, no, I, I did. I appeared on Netflix last year, Drive to Survive, but didn't really get credited yeah. on IDMB, which is pitiful. I'm going to raise that with them when I get an opportunity. <laughs> no, don't worry. Look, the streets now know, okay? We know that <laughs> as your acting debut, so don't worry about it too much. Um, t- Tandy. Yeah. Some big news this week. Mm-hmm. Um with uh, the FIA announcing, obviously, Andretti R uh, to go forward and be put forward to F1 and FOM to be considered for a spot, I guess, uh, from the 2026 season onwards. Um, we've kind of been following this saga from the moment they kind of announced, well, I mean, teams have been trying to get into F1 for a while now, but obviously because of COVID and then other things and then, uh, you know, change of guard of the FIA. And I feel like, you know, with Mohamed Ben Salem, I feel like he's kind of pushed for this and kind of said his expression of interest of which this came. As someone, I could probably say, is on the, compared to me, let's say the casual side uh, of F1, do you want another team <laughs> in F1? As no, as someone that's not like you know, because look, there's been a lot of chat on, on the internet this week about are oh, you an F1 fan? So I guess as someone who watches it the way you do, do you, have you? <laughs> do you want a new team in there? Are you happy with ten? Would eleven be good? How do you feel? Um, someone. Uh, okay, so, so as someone who watches Formula One like I do. Um, I feel like mm. I would l- have liked it to have become more interesting if they were to bring another team in. And I probably speak on behalf of a lot of people who kind of had to research the Andretti name. Who is he? Who's his son? What's the legacy? Where's the money coming from? Um, and then I just came to the conclusion that it was just a bunch of billionaires at money who just another guy in the big guy's club who was allowed in and... 
that's fine to some extent, but I feel like I'm also on the side of Formula One fans who are looking for something so new and something that just makes them want to stand a team. Like we we barely hear any of people standing a team, apart from Ferrari, obviously, because it's legacy. But we hear more people who stand drivers we would like to kind of admire a driver and be like i mean a, a team and be like you know what? this team stands for a b and c that's why i like them this team donated to a b and c that's why i like them this stand this team's morals are this and this but if it's literally just the same guys coming from quite literally the same school the same holidays the same polo club it's the same team that we've had all same as all 12 teams we've had on the grid so far well, I guess well, I, I would take that to Ed, I guess, and say, I think with, with Andretti coming in, I think everyone's, or potentially coming in, we don't know yet, right? Mm. F1 have kind of, uh, F1 have put them forward. So I guess, Ed, when you look at Andretti, right? America, they're trying to go to America. America is this big market for them. Some would argue they have Haas there, but, you know, how much have Haas really broken through with their American audience. So I guess what is it about Andretti that meant that they were such a shoo-in? From the moment that this period started, and even their own protestations to come in, they've been very vocal. Like Andretti wants to be in Formula One. What is it about them that, I guess, makes them such a... a uh, I, don't, I guess a shoe in for the role or for the role for the for the chance to be in an F one and what's the pedigree I guess behind their bid which which made them such such a shoe in. I don't think you can ever say a new entity is going to be a shoe in, but Andretti have looked the closest to being that because their record yeah. in racing speaks for itself. In everything they've competed in, V eight supercars, Formula E, IndyCar, Extreme, they have won in everything. So it's not like um, you know a bunch of newbies coughing up a few billions and saying you know what go and i think the andretti name it's for for people who have followed formula one you know mario is you know only the second driver one of the few drivers to have won the indy 500 and the f1 world championship michael was a good driver back in his day marco's there so it's a racing dynasty you ask most americans on the street to name one or two racing drivers they'll probably say dale Earnhardt, or they'll say Mario, maybe Lewis as well, because of the fact F1 has grown so much. Um, and also, I would say also the fact that they've got General Motors behind them. This is the game changer, I think. When they were announced, it was like, okay, they cannot re- possibly reject them. And it sets up like a real, I mean, there's such a, it'll be such a good feeling seeing Ford, Audi, Renault, Ferrari, Mercedes, Honda, all competing one another on the highest level of motorsport. We haven't seen that level of manufacturer participation since I would say 2008, nine, when we all know what happened and everyone ran out of money. So it would yeah. be, it is a shoo-in, um, but there's still a lot to go. And I think Andretti just had everything ready in place. They were always so keen to get everything. Up. I mean, they were one of the, I, I think they're one of the few teams. I think they're the only team who would say, well, we will have an F2 and F3 team at the same time, which is unheard of if you think about it, considering it's all single entities. Mm. No, and I, and I think, you know, I think there was, um, in terms of like what we kind of knew about their bid, I think in terms of like 
like you say, in terms of pedigree, and especially American pedigree, when you put them and uh, and General Motors together, you know, it's it would appear for F1 to be uh, a massive, massive coup, I guess. Well, not coup, but I guess for the FIA, it seems like there would be it would be a massive coup, but not maybe for F1, who have always been quite against Andretti or any new team coming in. I guess, Tandy, I'll come to you, but I guess, Ed, do you think that's, like, posturing? Do you think they do? Do F1 teams really believe, I think I saw a figure earlier today, that F1 teams believe at the current dilution rate of 20 million, which is, I guess, the entry fee, if we're going to put it in a basic way, they would lose $11 million per season. Therefore, that's why they're saying, you know, it needs to be in the region of $600 million. Um... Do you think this is posturing or do you think Andre are going to have to pay that 600 million to convince well, I think what looks like a very reluctant F1 grid? I think it's to show that they're serious, first and foremost. They're not going to just turn up and be three seasons out. But at the same time, it is a little bit like, well, we want to see what you can bring to the table commercially. Think about the way Formula One is at the moment. Every team is doing very well profit-wise. The sport is growing year on year in, although... It's slightly plateaued because of, you know, the recent run of dominance, which is understandable. Dominance causes people to turn TVs off. Um, I think it's a sign just as from F1 to say, are you serious? What are you going to contribute? What are you going to bring? And how are you going to pay us up? And that's probably why they said, right, okay, 600 million, because they'll know they'll be covered, even though I believe the fees are only around 200 million at the moment, which is a massive 200 million, yeah. But of course, when you've got someone like General Motors, you can just turn up and say, right, open the checkbook, guys. Let's let's go. Let's get this money. So it's posturing. But if Andretti can rise to the challenge, then F1 will have no commercial leg to stand on, per se. No, it, it does seem, I guess, Tandy, look, we've seen it before with <laughs> F1. Um the political nature of it. I think that's one of the, one of the, one, okay, one of the things that we have seen on DTS, right? The political power plays we saw it last season between Toto and Christian and even Mario, sorry, uh, sorry, Bino, um, you know, uh, when they were talking about the porpoising and they were trying to get it changed and, you know, that kind of behind the scenes thing is like a big driver in F1. I guess for you, do you do you foresee a situation where potentially, let's say, if even if uh, even if they said they they could get the money, could you see any of the teams potentially being like, well, we still we still don't want it, or is it just I guess all about the money? And once they cough it up, then what else could they possibly? It's kind of quite literally on? Formula One, isn't it? Like it's quite literally all about the money so i think that's my best bet <laughs> i feel as well since they've announced andretti and i've heard so much about andretti and so little about the other teams i almost feel like it's been solidified in like the decisions already been made like i feel like there's no other chance of another team kind of taking that place anyway and so it's definitely going to andretti it's just might they make them fight for it even harder, maybe, but yeah, it feels already solidified, in my opinion. Yeah, 
<laughs> these men are going to be there in 2026. <laughs> let's make let's make no mistake about it. Okay, like as much as I, I love what a posture, like every time they ask Toto about it, like the way he tries to dismiss it, it's like, well, oh, there wouldn't be any space in the paddock. How would we all fit in? Oh. And it's just like, come on, bro. Like, you, like Ed's just said, you had a fake F1 team in there with their own garage. Like, I'm sure an actual race team could fit in there. Um, I, I can't see any reason why they wouldn't end up just being there. Uh, and I guess, I guess for you, Ed, how competitive do you think Andretti can really be? I, I mean, look, it's hard. It's hard off the bat. We don't know, obviously. I mean, I don't know technically exactly how they're going to go about building their 2026 car. Um, and obviously, look, they're coming into it New regulations, 2026, we've got new engine regulations. They're making the car shorter. They're making them less wide as well. So who knows what the hell is going to happen by the time we get to 2026. But I guess, how confident are you that Andretti will come in? And I guess, like I said, they've won everything they've touched. They've won. So I guess... As as uh, as someone who maybe who doesn't know their history, is it is it you know should you expect them to come in and have some modicum of success or is it going to take time? I think it will take time with everything. Um, the first goal will be to score points. That's what you've got to do first and foremost. So it's what Haas did right off the bat, but it's what the other three newbies, Caterham, HRT. Marussia didn't do in 2010 and it kind of just started a hangover effect where they were just kind of there running around at the back. So the first goal will be to score and to set themselves like lower tier midfield round about eighth, ninth. Then you expect second year to ramp up and then third year, fourth year, maybe you start to see them fighting for podiums. I think it would be, I think it would be difficult for them to start winning right off the bat. Obviously the new regulations offer a, a lease of hope where they can suddenly, you know, bring it, do a brawn, even if it is fanciful. Yeah. It's still possible. So I think just take everything, you know, race by race. Don't judge it too quickly. I think this is a new entity. It's going to be very fresh, you know, new engine program as well, which will be difficult at first. But at the end of the day, this is for me, not an entity which will be like a free and free and out. This is, going to eventually win races if it gets accepted i'm putting my neck out on that one i think it will yes at some point i guess yeah just i guess i'll I'll ask you as well do you think that i mean do you think it's literally just case of give the money and that should be enough to placate the teams or do you really think that i mean it's hard to deny that there would be some form of commercial benefit from having Andretti. I don't, you know, like I said, this isn't, this isn't Haas. This isn't like, you know, but Haas were, I guess you could say Haas were or are a very much a brand name in, in American racing, but they're not Andretti and they're not General Motors. So I guess on the commercial side, you'd expect them to be able to uphold some level of contribution towards the wider pot of, you know, bringing fans in, selling stuff, whatever. Do you think it is just the money that is going to be the issue? Or do you really think that there are like 
logistical, moral, what sporting reasons that F1 could could say no. Because, I mean, look, all the word until now has been like, no, we don't want it. And that they would clash with the FIA on this. And the FIA have already said, like, look, they're in now. All we've said is that we're going to put it forward. You can't take us to court. This was just the fact that we were going to put you forward to F1 and now it's up to F1. So I guess, I guess for you, Ed, yeah, is there anything that potentially could stop it? I think they obviously will be very stubborn. I think they will look at the loss of fund prize money and not be too keen about it. But I think if Andretti put up a good stand in terms of their facility being ready, bang up time, also having all the engine manufacturer ready to go on the GM side, they they look like, if they look like a proper team and Andretti say, well, we will offer this, we will offer that, we're going to put money back into racing, et cetera, et cetera. They might just have no decision but to swallow it. It is... It is difficult. Mm. To, it would be a really... I, I think I've, I've seen plenty of takes of this, and I think it would be a terrible look for the sport if they are... You know, they're very okay with having 10 teams and let's say only 10 cars realistically fighting for a podium. But then the idea of a team coming in which has got that tremendous pedigree, got a good engine manufacturer, could be America's team. I hate using that phrase because it reminds me of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they would look tremendously <laughs> bad. It would look very much like F1 is shirking away from a challenge. When, if you look on the other side, the coin sports cars, for example, they are happy to let in any manufacturer they want. And for F1, yeah. if they want to, they all, and for F1 in particular, they need to think of the bigger picture. If they wish to sustain that American interest, I think they would be rather foolish to immediately say, well, we don't want Andretti here. Because at the end of the day, the American fans will want to see, they want to have someone to cheer for, but they also want to know that, okay, they're not just using us to grow their own product. They want to actually put something back and help F1 become the second, maybe third biggest motorsport in the US behind NASCAR. So I think yeah. they're, they're going to have to, I think they will probably swallow it. And if it does get rejected, it will feel like a massive waste of time. Yeah, no, it would It would be, I mean, look, and money. Like, these guys oh, yeah. have had to pay to be part of this process, I think hundreds of thousands of, of pounds. So, I mean... And it almost it, feels it like... Would, it would be, yeah, for them to... Like, if they were to dangle it over our head, it almost feels like they are giving us false hope to kind of quiet the masses who are constantly asking them for another team. They give you a little bit and then it's gone. That's how it would feel. Yeah, I think so. I think um, for me as well, I think we've uh, we're constantly looking at, you know, I think Ed mentioned earlier, the driver market um is such a saturated market. We have people like, you know, Dan Ricardo struggling to come back into F1 until obviously the the AT merry-go-round that was mentioned earlier mick schumacher having to do a simulator and streetwear model for mercedes um you know instead of being a full-time formula one driver there's so many instances you know liam lawson probably not having a seat next season despite clearly showing i think both in junior categories super formula and now in f1 that he has the talent to be able to go in oscar piastri having to take a year out and all of that drama. So even just on a practical side, there needs to be more cars on the grid for all of these drivers 
And if you think about it, you know, all of these drivers who pay a fortune to come up through the junior ranks, like it's such an investment from the day you're karting all the way through F2, F4, F2, F3, however you come through, for, for there to be such a closed shop at the top and then for them to seemingly take away the opportunity to not only have two more drivers, but maybe two more drivers from America, you know, it was Scott Speed the last American driver? Before before um, Logan, before Logan, it was Alex Rossi. Before Logan, oh my god, Logan! Sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, Logan. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, but yes, before Logan Sargent. So we want more Logan Sargents, or you know, other other American drivers as well. And I think that that's something that'd be awesome. Um, yeah. I think, I think Tandy. Come on. Oh, so I was just going to quickly add also more opportunity for people to get involved in Formula One, more jobs, more mechanics getting involved, more merchandise, more, more, more commercial opportunities. It, it makes sense just to have that little bit extra, especially if one team completely plateaus in the coming years. Sorry. No, no, that's that's absolutely. I think that's the thing as well, right? When you have an F one team. Like I say, it's such a large and massive operation, you know, with everything that goes on around it. It's a money-making operation and that creates within itself opportunities for everyone, I guess, speaking of. So, Tandy, earlier you mentioned that you had to do some research on parts of uh, the other people, right? Uh, you know, like I said, there were three three other bids, um, I guess, Carlin Hightech, and lucky sons um and i guess a lot of what you um kind of spoke about was wanting to identify with a team wanting to be able to kind of plant your flag with a team which maybe you could identify with or meant more than just i guess what we normally see from racing teams so i guess within that were you saying that because there was someone that kind of in your eyes, kind of piqued your interest, um, or just just based off what you kind of saw in from from everyone, essentially, and that you weren't really too impressed by anyone. So in cycling, um, the main focus in cycling apparently is their teams and their sponsorship, and the sponsorship in a lot of the cycling teams for women will be like women's charities, women's, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not begging for women to now join Formula One. Do not roll your eyes at me. I'm not begging for that, right? I'm just asking for a team that I can at least have some relationship with, that I can say like, do you know what? They do this, so that's why the A, B and C. And I feel like with a lot of teams, we don't really have that. So I had been looking at a few, um... Really fuck with L Lucky Sons. They seem cool. Would like to know what they're about. Mm. Um, would like to know what everybody else is about in comparison to what, you know, obviously Andretti brings to the table. Because as far as I'm concerned, all I'm hearing is money, 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 money about Andretti. That's the first thing that I've seen as you've come into the room. We're in a party. Everyone's like, oh, I'm bringing my friend Andretti. <laughs> What's he about? Has he come through the door? And all I'm hearing is money, 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 money. Like, he's a bit of a prick right now, as far Flashing as I'm concerned. Do you know what I mean? He's a bit of a prick right now. Sorry. 
Excuse me, Mr. Formula One. Did you bring that loser to the party? He's kind of, do you know what I mean? He's giving me bad vibes. So I'd love to know who the options were who could have got the plus one to the party. That's all I'm saying. And I guess, look, yeah. And when we are saying he's a prick, that's in the, in the realm of the story. He's a prick with money, not actually in real life, an actual prick. We don't know who Mario Andretti personally but um i would say that mario not is it mario sorry who's actually the team owner michael i don't want to get it confused michael Michael. michael's the team owner oh mario yeah mario is the one who said not nice things about lewis um during the 2020 season and i guess that got surfaced the other day actually tasha could you just bring that up and I'll, i'll touch on it in a bit but um I think that, uh, back to what you were saying, I, I'll touch on that in a second. Ed, with Carlin and high tech, yep. um, obviously two teams with pedigree, especially in the junior rankings, right? Yep. Um, uh, and I know... Carlin, I remember the only reason actually I know this, and also like I didn't really watch junior categories like uh, when I was like watching F1. It's not until we started doing the podcast that I started checking in on like junior categories. But I remember watching a video, um, they had it on Sky Sports all the time of Carlin, the guy who ran, uh, who runs Carlin, and talking about all the drivers that they've brought through. Um, some like incredible, if I'm not mistaken. Norris, do you drive a car in? Yep, twenty eighteen. Oh, am I thinking of a different Tw- team? Twenty eighteen. Yeah, he F2. did right in F two, right? Um, did Sebastian Vettel drive for for Carlin? I think Seb did some uh, stuff for Carlin. I need. Um, I know. Yeah, Li- I know. I, Li- so. Li- I know. Li- Liam as well. Liam did some stuff for Carlin. Lawson. Yes. Um. And so. Um. And I think. Karun also as well, who was, I think, presenting. Um, so I think um, there's some pedigree there. Obviously, we know high tech and anything that they've done. What do you think it was about those two that meant that they fell short? Given, you know, if we're all about racing, right? Like Tandy <clears throat> says, everyone's just talking about money, 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 money. And you mentioned that, you know, it looks like people are shirking away from a fight, Right. You've got two teams that want to go racing. They want to go racing so much. They're in the junior categories. They're giving people chances to come through. They're, you know, in a much tighter spec kind of series, they're allowing, you know, they've had a lot of success. Why is it that based on what is quite a clear sporting pedigree, do you think, and I'm not saying that you've got an inside track or anything, but why is it that you think that these two teams, um, weren't able to get uh, get across the line is it purely because unfortunately they just don't have the sporting pedigree or so the the commercial pedigree well from a personal side i would have let them both in because i think their pedigree speaks for themselves on this one they're both you know top junior outfits they've got a lot of top drivers through they've had a lot of top drivers for their ranks so i would have let them in but there were a few issues for for high tech one of which is that there was rumours that they were linked with the Mazepins, who are personally non-grata in the F1 paddock, as we know. And, yeah, it just think 
I think there was a little bit of suspicion that high tech didn't really have the facilities to do it, even though they had uh, vast amounts of backing from, I believe it was Vladimir Kim, a Kazakh businessman. So they had the money to go. The only real concern with Rodin, Carlin, was the fact that it was going to be based in New Zealand, which is a little bit dic- difficult having uh, a fact f F1 team based out in New Zealand, but Haas has got most of its stuff based out in America. So I don't really, I don't really see the issues on that side, but that was the thing that was going against Rodin Height, Rodin Carlin, even though Rodin Carlin had all these facilities, plus even a test track, a test track, which mm. only Ferrari have. I mean, that would have been a pretty good selling point for me, but obviously the FIA looked at it and thought, well, we're struggling to get Andressi across the line here, guys. We need to probably just cut it down. So, yeah, I would have let them both in. Um, maybe would have let Rode and Carlin out of the two because it had those extra facilities like it was going to be a campus for, for racing. But at the end of the day, I think it was just never going to get off the ground. Yeah. And look, like I said, when I say that Andretti were a shoe-in, if I'm being honest, it just felt like this was a process to make it look like they weren't just going to stick Andretti straight in, basically. And to make it look like for F1, hi, we've gone through this stringent process. We've allowed everyone to come and have a go. But out of all these teams that have expression interest, by the way, they have to pay 300 grand just to be able to sit in a room with us. Uh, and then, you know, after that, we've stringently looked at everything and, you know, we can't, you know, quite tell, uh, you know, we can't quite assert that anyone other than uh, Andre is suitable for you guys and therefore you should take them through. For me, that's what it feels like. But again, I'm just a guy in a do-rag talking about F1 on a Tuesday night. Like, what the fuck do I know? Like, in all honesty. Um, someone someone else who I don't think knows that much um, about diversity and inclusion was Marie Andre. So look, these quotes came online. And I think, uh, I'm not saying this as a way to, I guess, bury Andre or to, I guess, overshadow what, they do been to the table, but I guess considering that you've got a arguably the greatest show of all time, um, kind of had these issues during, uh, I think this was during 2020, and I think when Lewis Hamilton was ramping up the, the diversity and inclusion efforts within F1, and given F1's kind of you know, let's say loose, um, uh if I want to put it lightly, commitment to improving diversity across the board. Some of the comments that um, have come from um, uh, Mario weren't weren't great, and I will, I will, um, I will read them out. So, on this is around the time of twenty twenty. So. Uh, but some of the things that happen, like in NASCAR, Bubba Wallace, you respect his views and so forth, but then it becomes something bigger than it needs to be, mainly because, you know, what he thought was going to be uh, a term or situation, it wasn't. So it's blown out of proportion for no reason. This is when it becomes politics rather than anything else. And I always say we should stay out of politics and sport. 
that's why I love the Olympics, which is crazy because... But anyway, asked about Hamilton's efforts to bring attention to the issue, obviously, uh, which is uh, included public calls for the FIA to increase racial diversity within the sport. And Jetty replied, it's the same thing. I respect Lewis very much, but at the same time, why become militant to some degree? He uh, was never done wrong. He was always accepted in the best way, <laughs> best way possible and the respect of the entire planet. I think, again, uh, some of the objectives that they seem to have, to me, are just overblown, and that's the way I feel. And I think it creates a potential issues among all of us that don't need to be there, and that's all there is to it. So, look, um, those are the views of Mario. Mario is not going to be leading the team. It will be his son. Um, but I guess, Tandy, I guess when you hear stuff like that, about a team coming into the sport... Uh, I guess, I guess it just feels a bit like, you know, more of the same. I guess, and I've seen a lot of things online, for example, with like the Helmut Marco stuff, right? I saw a lot of stuff online, you know, around his age and, you know, where he's, you know, and we can't really expect older people, some older people to have the same views and opinions that we have growing up. Maybe, you know, who knows, maybe in 60 years time, well, no, sorry, I'm not, I'm not that young. But maybe in like 40, years, 40 or 50 years' time, I, you know, I will have wildly differing views from someone who is, you know, in their teenage years, 20 years, you know, who knows? I don't know. But I guess when you see stuff like that, and obviously they're coming in, I guess what are your thoughts on, on that? Uh, um, I don't want to kind of say, like, birds of a feather flock together because then I'm the bad guy um but they do flock together um I feel like we've had we've had from a lot of people in Formula One's dads and we've looked at certain drivers to kind of back us in conversating and how in saying like that was a bad statement and it hasn't always been backed or the the statement hasn't kind of supported the cause does that make sense i don't want to name any names in doing so but a lot of people's dads have said stuff and so <laughs> it's almost laughable in a way in it like it, it's laughable but it's obvious i mean it doesn't really leave me with a lot of hope for this new team as that as them being like this holy grail savior of formula one because formula one's done out that is crazy. I'm on mute. Thank you so much. I can't believe it. I went to blow my nose. I said some really profound shit when I was on mute. You will not believe the shit that I said. It will never, it will never come back. I'll never, I don't even know. But no, essentially what I was saying was that um, essentially with, uh, with what you were saying there, one team who... I guess whose big kind of pitch was Lucky Sons and their diversity and inclusion and how they were aiming to be pretty much like a, a global team. So, you know, the, and I feel like, oh, sorry, in terms of all of the teams, as someone who just like a casual person sitting on Twitter, sitting on F1, like websites and stuff, they had made quite the effort, I guess, in engaging with the press. Um, you know, in press releases and creating content and 
Um, I think they were, you know, there was that kind of Hail Mary, I would say, uh, towards the end of the process where they were like, look, we've got backing us with a billion dollars. We'll pay the $600 million now if it's about money. Um, and, you know, they wanted to have a, a base in Asia. They wanted to um, uh, have, you know, uh, and all of the engineers and, and people working, like being able to pull talent from an area which doesn't really get represented. Driver academies in, you know, in Africa, though, I think there was four countries in Africa um, that they mentioned, as well as, you know, in America and um, in Asia, based on like underrepresented people. So I guess... For me, it was like, oh, okay, cool. This sounds really, really good, right? You've got a team that's pushing for diversity. You've got a team that is going to, you know, if America's a massive market, Asia must be an incredible market to have a team in uh, if they had a base there. And maybe that would entice more races to be there. Like, you know, you know, Malaysia, I think was it was the anniversary today of the last race in Malaysia. Could that be tempted to come back onto the calendar if there was an Asian team? Um, the fact that they wanted to really push for diversity and inclusion and the fact that they wanted to kind of target a younger driver base, uh, sorry, the fan base and kind of go from there felt really good and it felt something really different, but it also felt like that shit was never going to run in F1. <laughs> it was, that, that bid was never going to be accepted in a million years. But on paper, Ed, as as a, as a random person looking at it, I'm like, okay, you've got a billion dollars in funding, which is not a small amount of money, right? You, you're wanting to hit a new market in Asia. That is a commercialization. You're diver- and even if I just do the diversity and inclusion, you know, they were, they were going to do it. And then you could just, you know, hitch your wagon to that. So I guess as someone within the sport and maybe someone who doesn't have as many rose-tinted spectacles as me and Tandy do, why is the team that only has one vowel in their name and doing hip-hop videos to introduce themselves, why or why didn't F1 take them on? Uh, Well, that's that's a million-dollar question. Um, Million-dollar question, I should say. Um, I think the reason why F1 didn't take them on was because... Well, it seemed like there wasn't really a concrete plan. They had this idea. It was a good, great idea. It's something which we haven't really seen in Formula One in ever. And it was almost like with the hip hop and the open to bringing in like new fans. It was almost like what Red Bull did when they first came in because they were a rebellious team where they would have music pumping out of a motorhome at like two o'clock in the morning while most teams would work in silence and just, you know, <laughs> constant head down working on the car. Um, The problem was there was never really that idea of, okay, whilst Andretti had Cadillac, Hitech had Kim and Carlin had Rodin, like his sons didn't have that backer, that one particular backer like those three, which said, okay, we are, we are serious. And I think, you know, the the moment when I thought this bit is going to go slightly off the rails was when I spoke with someone who worked at Delara because I got, after Monza, I, went for a tour of the Delara factory. Now, Delara are the people who make the F2, F3 cars. They also do a bit of fast. And when I spoke with Lycosons, they were like, well, well, we'll partner up with a car company in the first year, blah, blah, blah. And then I spoke with the people at Delara and they were like, we are not interested. So that was my first thought was, 
ah, that's going to be a snafu when you're not even going to be ready. And there's been like other teams which have had very good ideas, like USF1, for example. They were going to be what Haas was going to be. They were going to be an all-American team. They were going to be based in Charlotte at a time when F1 was non-existent in America. They didn't even get a car built. Um, I think they got a crash test chassis. That was, that was that. So whilst it was a good idea on paper, it just was never going to work. And I think people wanted a little bit more meat on the bones. They wanted to really understand the ethos were good, but who, where was the money coming from? Where was the factory going to be built? Where was the whole, how, how would you plan it? And I did get something, but evidently the FIA didn't get enough so sorry i don't want you guys to hear me blowing my yeah i'm I'm, I'm off mute now uh i don't want you to hear me blowing my nose and then i just get so excited that uh you know i just want to talk to you guys and i forget that i'm that i'm on mute but um but no i i was watching rush the other day and it kind of reminded me again like you said of like the red bull i can't remember james hunt's team where they're like Thank you. And, you know, their whole thing is like, what was it, sex and... I can't remember the, the catchphrase now, but they, like, you know, they have T-shirts and they've got oysters that they're serving there and, and you know, it's all about having fun. And look, that team ran out of money in a couple of years, right? Um, but on this flip side, like you say, Red Bull, I think where Red Bull were lucky was that, look, Red Bull took over. And again, I guess this is the whole thing about... How do we, how do we know, like, you know, someone, we've had respectable car giants come into the sport before and absolutely tank, right? You know, look at Toyota's um, efforts to come into the sport. Um, Jaguar, who Red Bull took over, I think they bought, their, they bought Jaguar, right? And, and then took, took that on. Stuart. They... Not, Stuart. Oh, sorry, Stuart. Yeah. So, I thought, like, you said, I thought you said Jaguar bought Jaguar. I thought, hang on. No, 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 no. Sorry, yeah. Jaguar was true and then Red Bull bought Jaguar. So I feel like, you know, for me, it doesn't always work out, you know, with big, you know, big things. But also, you know, you look at Red Bull, look at what they were able to do. But I guess it's easier to, if you are a new team, a disruptor, it's probably easier to, Look at what Haas are doing, you know, look at what potentially what, you know, you know, there's rumors of Alpine being involved, you know, you know, and maybe at the beginning with 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 um with Andretti. Maybe it's easier to go in and buy a team or really strategically partner with a whole other team so that, you know, the way Haas have Ferrari making like 80% of their car, um, you know, maybe that's easier for them. But I guess, Tani, it would have been nice, I guess. It would have been nice. Um, but I guess it'd be cool to, it'd be cool to hear from them. I'd be cool to, like, it would be cool to hear. We've not heard from any of the other teams. She doesn't even want to listen to me. That's fine, Tandy. Um, but it'd be cool to hear from some of the other teams about this and just, and you know, what was it? You know, I guess there's, there's legal things, but it'd be cool to know from Carlin or High Tech or Lucky Sons, like, what was that process like? What was it that kind of brought you down on that, you know? And, you know, what would, do you have encouragement to come back 
I guess, you know, I guess for you as someone who, who writes these stories, I guess that would be beneficial as well. Yeah, I think we would. I would like to know why they were rejected. Um, I think like you said, it would be difficult for them to come back because you can't just immediately get a billion dollars back again. So it'd be difficult on that side. Um, the Rodin Carlin did pull a statement out saying that they were very much like, well, we had everything ready to go. We were going to have Jamie Chadwick in a car. We were going to have Ferrari backing. We were going to have a junior team. And they were very thankful for the opportunity to, to have a go. And they extended their best wishes to Andretti. High tech, I haven't really heard anything. Like, there's almost been a complete silence from high tech camp. I don't even think they've acknowledged they've been rejected, which indicates mm, they probably won't be back. I think they're, well, as the kids say, fuming at that one. Um, so <laughs> I think the only one I would say would maybe come back is Carlin, but they would need, I don't know, I think depends, depends if they really want to go through that trouble again and then potentially come into sport. 2027 which is only four years away so they have really like two years to get a car ready and get a factory ready and the facilities are still good at carlin but they're not formula one like they're not quite at formula one like standard but they are very good that's what i would say okay well look guys let us know in all of the uh comments uh and whatever like what are your thoughts who did you want to see Happy with uh, Andretti? Let us know. It would be cool to have those conversations. Um, let's move on uh, quickly and uh, quickly just preview the Qatar Grand Prix uh, after these messages. Righty ho, we're back! Uh, Ed, quickly, there's going to be a, a new champion, but he's going to feel like an old champion. Three championships. Let's just say, call it how it is. Three championships. That is the same as Ayrton Senna. Um, Max Verstappen, one. How do you feel about Max Verstappen having a potentially momentous day happening on a Saturday sprint race? Hmm, I have pondered that. Max probably won't care. Max will be like, right, championship's done. Thank you very much. I'll take my trophy and go home. Uh, but having the championship decided on a sprint weekend in a sprint, it kind of makes the race a bit pointless. You know, you kind of wonder, is there even any point watching on Sunday? Because at the end of the day, they're not. Re- it's only really the fight for second in the constructors and drivers, which everyone's going to now focus on. Um, but at the end of the day... I don't think he's bothered. He's dominated this season. He's pretty much, ever since Miami, he's been the class of the field. And really, there was never any doubt that he was going to do it. And yeah, I don't think he'll mind. He'll probably just be appreciating he can have a Saturday night to remember in Doha. Done it again. again. This is ridiculous. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. It's really bad. I'm not even normally this bad. Like maybe once. But like three times a hat trick is crazy. Um, if there's anywhere that would be quite nice to celebrate a championship victory, look, Qatar looks like a lovely place, to be honest. So um, in terms of like, yeah, the facilities, he's going to have a great time. Tandy. Uh, some people are saying words on the road, obviously after 2021 and whatever happened there. 
the cost cap stuff last year. Some people are saying, in a mean way, not me, uh, that it's Verstappen's first legitimate title. But um, I guess for you, do even his most ardent haters have to now respect this guy and what he's doing in the sport? Or do I sound like a Sky Sports advert? Yeah, I was going to say, all right, slow down there, Karun. Slow down there. I don't have to respect anybody who I don't have to respect. Yeah, you know I mean, you want me to feel sorry for that okay. bitch? I don't. <laughs> I don't. Uh, look, and that's fair. And that's fair. I was baiting you out to be honest. I thought you'd I thought you'd do it. But look, um, I don't wanna I don't wanna push that. I'm not gonna push that. I'm not gonna push you. I'm not gonna push anyone else. And I think look, let's see how this weekend goes. Because uh, you know, yeah, we'll see. I'm not a bastard fan of it being on a Saturday, and I don't think I don't think it detracts from Sunday as such, but it's just again, it it kind of makes the rest of the season five or six races worth of dead rubbers now um which is a lot of 25 percent of the season uh as dead rubbers is not a great thing so all we can hope is that next season that there's a lot more competition but that's up for other teams to step up and we'll see but look Let's leave it there. Arsenal are playing. Uh, I'd like to have a spag bowl. And I'm sure Tandy's got things to do. But look, it's not about us. Ed, thank you for being such a knowledgeable and incredible guest. And for your first time on the show, you did incredible. You're great. Cheers for you. Pleasure. Thank you. Your bank transfer will be in the morning. No, thank you. Nice words. <laughs> never that never that it's all love and it's all genuine where can people find you online uh if you really wish uh <laughs> it's spencer 99 on twitter or x as it's called although no one calls that calls it x yeah. um you follow me on motorsport.com bringing all the latest f1 news and feet and opinion and analysis and also if you really really wish to follow me on instagram Get ready for boring photo dumps. It's Ed underscore Spencer 99. <laughs> Go follow him. He's a great source of knowledge, um, news, and obviously, as you can tell, a great guy. Tandy. Yes. Anything else you'd like to add? <laughs> Not today. Not today. Thank you. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> that's fine that's absolutely fine guys live tickets are still out we're at 35% uh, until we sell out we're still going to announce our guests still going to announce the merch that we're going to sell there I really can't wait to see you guys thank you everyone for buying tickets um, really appreciate that I can't wait to be in Austin and guys remember no matter what life throws at you I'm going to end it because I don't know when Tanya will say it keep it on the black <laughs> stuff love you take care see you soon bye 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 <laughs> look mate if you've got this far clearly you like what we do so here's a link to subscribe to the quicks up perform family give that a click and here's another link to some more cool on our channel sorry cool cool stuff 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 and remember no matter what happens keep it on the black stuff click the stuff click the click the links click the the link
the links. Click the links there. They're there.